0: The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. And on the line now, Davina Montgomery, good morning.
1: Good morning, Mitch, how are you?
0: Good, thanks for being on the program once again. First of all, I mean, it's a great weekend when you can go more than 5K from your house.
1: It is kind of nice, isn't it? I did go a little bit more than 5K, although not too much further, I must say.
0: Well, I said to people on Friday, I didn't know where I'd be going, whether it'd be more than 5k from here and just great to get down the coast and places like Point Lonsdale did seem very, very busy.
1: Yeah, I um, I did notice actually at my my local supermarket. So we're sort of in one of those gateway towns down to the Bellarine Peninsula, and um, so when it's tourist season, we get a lot of people coming through the supermarket. And of course, we don't know where people have come from, so we know that there's travellers coming from, you know, from all across Victoria as regional Victoria has been released and people can go out and about. But um, I did have the supermarket staff was sort of saying there seemed to be a lot of people who are paying in cash and not using their flybys, and you know trying not to check in and things like that. So, it does raise a few questions, but I really hope that most of the people down are from regional Victoria uh, and I really hope that we're not having that sort of, you know, that behaviour that we saw, or unfortunately, a little bit of last year where people from Melbourne, while unfortunately they're in lockdown, still sort of thought, oh, well, at least I can get out and the kids can be out and about in regional Victoria, which, of course, raises that huge threat of, of the virus spreading more than it already
0: has down here I saw a report this morning that police intercepted someone might have been about 230 in the morning at Point Wilson they were from Thomastown trying to come down to Geelong
1: yeah I think it's um, look I think it's inevitable isn't it I mean it's again it's hard to tell the people can be coming from other parts of Victoria but we know that Geelong's such an easy destination from Melbourne um, and yeah, I think that all of us are probably a little bit sitting here on tender hooks. I know I certainly am Mitch, but you just hope that those vaccinations can keep ramping up. And I know I tried to book in my two boys this morning, but I think I'll have a bit of a battle again to try and get a to try and get a vaccine spot, which is actually a fantastic thing. I'm smiling about that because that means that we're all trying to get there.
0: Yeah, I actually agree with the Premier when he says that the people that are hesitant about the vaccine or that may be against the vaccine entirely. They do seem to be in the minority. They may be amplified by some forms of media. But I think for the most part, people want to just go there, get the vaccine and do their thing.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think for the vast majority and, uh, you know, look, we again, we we're so good at vaccinating in Australia. It's something that we do really, really well. So when we do get vaccine hesitancy, uh, even prior to COVID, it did raise really big headlines, which it doesn't necessarily do overseas. And that that sort of tells you about, I think, how um, how appreciative of the role the vaccines play in our public health system about the protection of people. You know, and uh, I think that you know we're good at this. So I don't have a lot of doubt that we will get to good vaccination levels. Um, there will be, look, there will always be some holdouts. We, the epidemiologists, they they always factor that in when they do their calculations. But I think for the vast majority it will and for even people that are probably sitting there on the fence, those people that have perhaps been eligible for a long time that haven't gone out and got it when a few of those privileges, like going to the footy, um, going to art shows, going to concerts, being able to get on a plane, when those sort of things become vaccine-dependent, then that changes. And we saw that, you know, Listeners will remember that when we had the no jab, no play policy, when there was, if you do not have your kids vaccinated, they cannot go to, to kinder, they cannot go to to primary schools, you know, putting other kids at risk. So um, that's really important because we know that particularly when we're talking about kids and, you know, it's right through the population there are people that can't get vaccinated, there are people that are vaccinated, but they're still really immunocompromised, that are still at risk. So, um, vaccination is how we protect everyone, not just ourselves, but, you know, I think there's a high level of self-interest in this, Mitch. We've been able to sit here in Australia and see what's happening around the world, we've seen the headlines from countries that we would feel pretty representative to, you know, places like the US and the UK that have pretty good health systems, um, seeing the struggles that they've had, seeing kids in ICU units, you know, these are they're all horrible, horrible things um, that for a long time we've been able to watch from a distance, albeit lockdown distance. So we've sort of been stuck at home doing it. But we have been able to see what this virus is doing around the world. So I think for a lot of us it's really just, oh God, I don't want it. And I certainly don't want anyone I, I love and care about to get it and I really hope that as few people as possible get it because I think we've spoken previously that um, I still hold real real concerns about the long-term impacts of long COVID and even that uh, does apply to people who don't have a serious infection. We know now from lung scans, we know we're starting to get the data, we're starting to see those those months and uh, over year from people who've had even mild symptoms are carrying real impacts from this disease.
0: Now, over in New South Wales, you've probably seen that the Premier stopped doing the daily updates. Uh, One person here at the station said they think that's a good idea because they're sick of seeing COVID in the news every night. But my concern is, and I can see both sides, but my concern is if you have that vacuum that's left by the Premier giving out that information every day, then what fills that vacuum? And I see that the state opposition in New South Wales has already said they're going to start doing their own media conference at 11 o'clock this morning. So what do you think?
1: Yeah, I think you're right, Mitch. I think, you know, we, for those of us in the news game, you know, years ago, it used to be when things went quiet around Christmas, um, in that Christmas New Year period, you would get some weird and wacky stories because there was a vacuum of of news. People were off doing other things. Um, and it does, <laughs> you know, the... um. Ugh, the people that they're a bit loose with the truth. They tend to like a vacuum in, in the new cycle. So that can cause some issues. At the same time, I think, you know, there's probably a good role for it. I, I don't really have any issue with, with leaders going off to do what they really need to do. And I tell you what, the one thing that did ring true to me was when um, when Gladys Berejiklian said that she's going to be very, very busy in the next couple of months. I really think that that's unfortunately frighteningly true.
0: Hmm, because the numbers are ratcheting up. But even here in Victoria, we're sort of seeing, I think, what happened in New South Wales, but perhaps with a bit of a lag, we've already gone to now over 3,000 active cases here.
1: Yeah, was it 473? I think that's a lot, isn't it? It's big numbers, and I feel like... Yeah, I feel like I'm starting to get immune to the numbers, Mitch. I'm not sure if you are too, but, you know, you sort of see them, you take them in, you get that little sinking feeling, but it's probably not the dread that we had last year. And I think that's just fatigue more than anything else and, and that sort of realisation that this is going to be the case for quite some time. We're going to see numbers. Um, I, I quite like the idea of switching the focus to the numbers in hospital and the numbers vaccinated in hospital, the numbers vaccinated in ICU, I think that's really, really important. People are experiencing severe disease. Um, at the same time, I really want to see the vaccination numbers being front and centre because we don't want people getting this disease, even mildly. Uh, as many people, every single person that we can prevent from getting it is is a real win. So, yeah, it's a tough one. Look, I, I think it's the reality. It can't go on forever. We can't keep having people at the front. I'm sure there will still be people from uh, the health department and others that are fronting up from the New South Wales government and by the sounds of it, the opposition will jump in there
0: too. I think a change in philosophy from the Victorian state government's also changed how we perceive the numbers because they've clearly said, no, we're not chasing zero anymore and that the numbers will go up. So it's kind of expected in a way. And I even read on the front page of the paper today that in Geelong we had 16. Cases over the weekend. Now, if it had been a few weeks ago, six new cases would mean certainly a statewide lockdown.
1: It would have absolutely. But I think you know we're we're looking at a. It's amazing how quickly this changes. But right now, we're looking at a situation where what we're waiting for from the Victorian government is the pathway out, um, and that seems extraordinary too. While we while we still have numbers rising and rising fairly rapidly, I must say across the state. Um, but at the same time, yep, it is it is time. We're looking overseas, we're seeing what's happening. Uh, We are going to be coming out. We do need to be relying on vaccination and people do need a way out and not just people, you know, the business sector and that just means people with jobs, you know. We we tend to use that word, the business community or the business sector a lot, those words, but really all that means is people with jobs. Um, Kids, you know, parents wanting their kids to go back to school, these sort of things that we just need a plan for. We need some certainty about where we're heading Um, I think that that's okay. People are pretty resilient about it changing. We get that. We're, We're pretty used to it by now. But we do need a plan and we need to be able to put some hope forward and I don't know about you, but I, I, a lot of people that I'm speaking to right now are all just sitting there looking at each other going, God, I hope we get to have Christmas together.
0: Mm, definitely. Um, the other challenge as well is the Metropolitan Melbourne school students. I mean, they probably need to know if they're coming back for term four or not or what even mm-hmm. term four might look like. And if they're not coming back for term four until everyone's at 80%, well, it might be a good time to maybe break that news now so that people can start to prepare. I don't know if it's um, very I mean, it might be better for the government from a communications point of view to break it a few days out just so that people aren't on edge. But I think from a planning point of view, probably better to let us know as early as possible what's going to happen there.
1: Yeah, I think it's that's becoming really, it's becoming a huge issue, Mitch. Um, it does need planning. I mean, schools have been incredible, really, with their resilience and the way that they've been able to to keep delivering education during this time, but it's really, really hard. And I think they do need certainty. Families need certainty. Kids themselves, they need to know what's happening. I mean, you know, the amount of information our kids have absorbed about this virus and the way that we react to it as a as a society, uh, the kind of lockdown restrictions that we've had, they're so well aware of it. It's having huge impact on them. So I think it does need, yeah, it comes back to certainty. Uh, you're exactly right. They do need a plan. And that feeds through to everyone else and all the businesses that are trying to plan about... When are employees coming back? When can we do certain projects? What's the next few months going to look like um, as we start looking towards the end of the year? It's it's just so hard for everyone to just sit there and go, look, we don't know. So, it's we're just going to have to take a punt. Um, people want a bit of certainty now. And I think that's entirely reasonable.
0: Now, the said opposition's had a complete change of leader and a complete shadow cabinet reshuffle. And I did read in The Age yesterday, there's a few concerned Victorian MPs It seemed to be the people that didn't get a position, that weren't very happy that they didn't get a position and suggested that the uh, cabinet reshuffle was done more along the lines of who voted for who rather than merit. Just wondering, what do you make of the new approach by the said opposition and this reshuffle, if you have any thoughts on that as well?
1: Oh, Look, I, I think there's... Um, I don't know that there's been a, a change of leadership, but that hasn't been the case, to be perfectly honest. And, it, and often when we have people that, you know, that politicians that have been able to be, maintain their position in cabinets, it's generally thought of as a keep your friends close and your enemies closer mm. situation, you know, Malcolm Turnbull and Tony Abbott. Um, so, we've certainly seen this many times before. I wasn't surprised that there was a challenge to the leadership and and we've spoken again at, about how incredibly hard it is to be in opposition and to gain traction in not only your messaging, but in people's hearts and minds at the moment. People are busy. They've got other things that they're focused on They don't really care that much about the politics. Um, while we've never listened more to politicians, the actual politics of it is not really that important right now. But it will be. It will be by the time we get to election next year. Um and it was an interesting move, I thought, by the coalition to push hard against Matthew Guy. I understand he had the numbers and politics is a numbers game for anyone who was watching, you know, Survivor, Australian Survivor over the last few weeks. And there was a, a political operative in there, as we kept, as he kept telling us. Um, it can definitely be, or it is definitely a numbers game. At the same time, those numbers inside the party, sure, that will decide who sits up there, but the real numbers that counter who's going to vote for who. Um, And that's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see what happens in that pushback. I mean, we know at the moment that there's a really strong level of support for incumbent governments, as there always is in times of of crisis, Um, how long that lasts. And then, you know, traditionally we know that once we come out of those crises, those incumbent governments tend to get uh, voted out because people want to move on and they want it to forget, and they don't want that constant reminder. And, you know, you look back to um, in England, Winston Churchill, that, that great leader, mm. and how revered he was and is in England. But he was voted out straight after the, the war because people wanted to move on, and they didn't want to have that reminder. It wasn't it wasn't a judgment on, his, on the job that he did. It was a judgment on what people wanted the future to look like and what they didn't want to think about anymore. So that's coming, whether that comes in time for the state election or not. Uh, will be an interesting question. Um, and then how the politics out between the two parties. I mean, Matthew Guy does have strong history, and it's, you know, I know that the, the immediate thing was the, you know, lobster with the mobster. Um, not really the most important thing for mine about Matthew Guy. I mean, with, we know Matthew Guy was the planning minister for a very long time. He had, um, an interesting relationship with, with development in Victoria and huge problems around Fisherman's Bend, around Docklands, you know, those really tight, close building, building regulations and that mass development that, that went through. Um, that was all done under Matthew Guy. So I'll be really interested to see how he's changed. Uh, how he's changed his approach, how much he's willing to listen and what his actual priorities are. And, you know, and I think it was interesting to read a bit of commentary over the weekend from African community leaders coming out and saying, look, there's a lot of ground to be made up here because we don't forget and we certainly haven't forgiven. So um, we do remember all the all the pretty hideous commentary that came out around African gangs and, and things like that. So oh, of push. Um, I'll be interested, yeah.
0: What do you think of their approach so far? It's been quite bright and hopeful and optimistic, but clearly that sort of honeymoon period and that kind of vibe can't last forever.
1: It can't, but I think that they're going to need it, to be honest, Um, strategically and politically. The next election will actually be decided on hope. It will be decided on what people want this future to look like and what we're going to change because our state has changed. There's no doubt about that. We don't go through what we've gone through without there there being that desire for change and and people just aren't, our outlooks are not the same. Um, Our priorities are not the same and that drive for change, I think, will only increase. So the narrative is going to be really, really important, I think. The tone is going to be incredibly important. We are going to need hope because... It's been hard and and people are tired and people are exhausted and they want to be hopeful that, okay, we can move on, we can put that behind us, we can learn from it, and then something good can come out of it. So that's the question. What is the good that's going to come out of it? Um, What are going to be the driving factors in this next sort of probably decade? It's almost like this next election will have quite a big say on the next decade of, of public spending, of public policy in Victoria. So is that going to be a greater push on healthcare. Is it going to be about jobs? Is it going to be about the economy? Is it going to be about the environment? What is that going to be? So that's going to be really interesting to see what their policy platform is. Um, You know, at the moment, of course, the the Labor State government will be very focused on the job at hand, as they should be. And to a certain extent, they will be running on the record of, of that. There's no doubt. But whether, you know, November next year, is it going to be the same narrative that people want to hear? I'm not sure. We'll
0: see. And just finally, you've been following the weekend in sport quite uh, closely, whether that's the AFL preliminary finals, or I'm sure other sport which is equally as important and sport resuming back in regional Victoria, of course.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the field good game in the round was it was no doubt that Melbourne win. That was extraordinary, just watching Max Gorn's face and his response and the way he hit off the crowd and that sort of thing. It was just, it was an incredible um game to watch. But there was an unbelievable weekend of sport. We had um Emma Radicano, the 18 year old unseated, came through and won the US Open. We had um the Australian I set up last night with the family. We were watched Daniel Ricardo win his first F1 race, his eighth race, his eighth race, sorry, but his first for McLaren since he's moved over there and all the all the struggles he's had adjusting to that very tricky um McLaren car. And to finally come out with a win that was that was really incredible. Dylan Alcott, golden Slam. Unbelievable, like mm. just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so it's, it's been, and of course, we had, you know, our, our great Australian number one tennis champion who won the doubles as well. So it was an incredible weekend of sport.
0: Well, thanks so much for being on the program. Always good to catch up and talk to you in two weeks' time. And uh, as we always say, hope for there isn't a lockdown between now and then, because I think the average <laughs> has been we've been out for about a weekend and then straight back in. So if we can have two successive weekends of freedom, I'd uh, appreciate that very much.
1: Yeah, you and I have had a bad run, haven't we, Mitch, with Mm. with chatting in in lockdowns or just going into lockdowns. But hopefully this one I will speak to you next time and we'll still be sitting out of lockdown and and making plans and, you know, seeing those vaccination numbers go up.
0: Fingers crossed. Thank you very much, Davina Montgomery, with us there uh, talking about some of the issues of the day. The Mitchell's Front Page podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11.